Listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Harry, good morning, and thanks so much for uh, for giving that shout out to, to Zach Carlin. That was Zach Carlin we were just listening to. Zach's one of the students that I work with at, as a part time lecturer at Gateway, mm-hmm. and I really it's a co learner kind of situation. So I like to really celebrate the talent and the gifts that all of us have on the planet, but particularly folks that I have a chance to encounter, young, old, and indifferent for that matter. In fact, today I have a gentleman in the office, uh, the office, the studio, the the workshop of life, I guess we could call a radio station as well, Je- Jesse Walking Man Turner. And uh, Jesse's going to share a lot with us, things that are on our mind about what does it mean as we evolve as a society in terms of literacy and education and growth and, and harmony and justice and all those kind of uh, intersectionality issues that, that pertain to structural situations, but also personal situations. Uh, uh, Jesse is a uh, uh, he's been at Central Connecticut for for 18 years, almost almost two two decades, right. and he's professor of literacy at Central Connecticut State University. Has his doctorate in language and reading and culture. Um, also taught at uh, Eastern prior to that. Um, uh, but the Jesse Walking Man Turner, people know you as that as well. And we're going to talk about uh, maybe not all these issues in depth, but really enough to kind of give us a feel for for the issues involved in terms of education, in terms of educational reform. What does that mean pertaining to Equity and justice, quality education, how does that pertain to special education, poor children, black and brown children, high stakes testing? Um, what does the system mean? How does the system support itself from the standpoint of property taxes and income taxes and high stakes te- testing? So a lot of issues to cover, things you've heard in the news, but I have in front of me uh, Jesse Walking Man Turner, someone who's been involved with really from a body, mind and soul standpoint uh, in these issues and has put his, his life on the line. I mean, he literally has put his life on the line. Uh, and his body on the line, and his soul and spirit on the line. So, Jesse, good morning, and welcome to the Tom Ficklin Show. Good morning, Tom. Happy to be here. Uh, let, let's just let's let's just jump jump right in. We can go with the uh, you mentioned the the fit. What was what's the, what's the acronym that you're using? I'm I'm launching a campaign, Fight for Six. We we could start with that, or we could start we could build up to it. How would you like to? Sure, we like might as proceed? well start with that. That kind okay. of All right. lets people know some things. But Fight for Six is about. I'm 62 years old. I will be 62 in another month. But I had standardized testing in elementary school, middle school, and high school over my 13-year school career. But when we only for two days in elementary, two days in middle, two days in high school, actually less than that, Mm. but that would be the maximum time they allowed. So I lost six days of learning. So it's important for people to understand that when this testing goes on, mm-hmm. all learning shuts down at the school. They are supposedly measuring what you have learned, mm-hmm. but they're not teaching you anything new. So in uh, my, my observations in the past 15 years of what's been going on in public schools, that six days has grown to 540 days, mm. and 540 days equals three years. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And what do I hear at the university? Probably you at Gateway. I'm hearing these kids can't read, these kids can't write, these kids don't know enough math. And why? I'm looking at it, the average high school graduate has lost three years of learning to 
to either taking the test, preparing for the test, practicing for the test. And that's a massive amount of time. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm, one piece of data that that is important, because I'm a data junkie, Mm -hmm, I don't just feel feel things. I look at the I look at the facts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our 2015 NAEP scores and our SAT scores and our 2012s and 2009s have shown high school students who have not scored this low in over 30 years. Mm, so mm, there's a direct mm, correlation. Mm. The kids aren't stupid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if I if if I take away three years of your learning, that explains a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's fight fight for six. I'm saying let's we want accountability, but let's fight for the same accountability that that I had that you had, Tom. And you you mentioned when we were kind of chatting before, prior to kind of coming on the air about the how that what you've just mentioned, Jesse, pertains to education reform and equity and justice in public schools. Sure. When uh. When we think about equity in our public schools, first thing I think we have to acknowledge that from day one, our public schools in this nation were not equitable places. So we have the first secretary of education, Horace Mann, uh, who is often considered the father of public education. Mm -hmm. And Horace visited every single school. He was the commissioner of Massachusetts public schools. Over a six-year period, he visited 6,000 schools on horse. Every day, he would visit a school, take meticulous notes. Mm-hmm. Are the windows good? Is the heater in the room good? Are the books good? Uh, are the chairs comfortable? He took meticulous notes. And at in the evening, get this, he would lecture in the town on the, mm-hmm. on the tenants of public education. Mm-hmm. And he would stay at one of the town residents' homes mm-hmm. and eat with them. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens at the end of that six years? Well, Horace Mann reported that what he noticed in these 6,000 schools, a vast inequity. Mm. inequity. So when we look at that, I'm saying that was the beginning of public schools. We never had equity in our public schools. Uh, Black, brown, special education children, immigrant children, poor children. We understand that the system was created. To, to uplift the wealthy. And we did that by, by eventually hooking into that property tax model. So we know where Donald Trump lives, if there is a public school, and I'm sure his children don't attend one, but if there is one, Tom, I can guarantee you it's a kick-butt public school. <laughs> Not like the one that I went to in Jersey City, New Jersey, mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse, let's, let's just rewind that a little bit, because some folks might might think that we're just dealing with a a rhetorical issue or just a philosophical issue, but you referenced earlier your your, your data collection and your your really analysis of, of the facts. And so let's paraphrase what you just said in terms of the inequities. And let, let me just give you another chance to elaborate on that in, the, in a different way. All right. So one of the things we know that, for instance, in the we've been laboring under some form of no child left behind. That was a shift in the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. The old act used to. Uh, require research to measure uh, success, but the monies were given to provide tutors to children in poor community, math tutors, reading tutors, special education teachers. And when NCLB came out, it was a massive ship. It mm. promised equity through new testing and more rigorous standards. And I always laugh because when you say rigorous, let's go to the, if we look at rigor, that means dead. That means, you know, that <laughs> rigor, is rigor not orders, good. Right, so, right. so what are we doing? But research had shown, I fought this, this uh, testified while the bill was being considered mm. that this would be a disastrous effect 
on children, mm-hmm. particularly children of color and particularly poor children and particularly special education children. Because the more you emphasize high stakes assessments, the more your discipline problems increase, the more identification of special education children and you know, higher your dropout rates go. And right now, I think if we just listen to the news coming out of our mm-hmm. public schools, mm-hmm. the discipline issues, uh, they're, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were a child and you were taken eight to 12 weeks of your school year was taken some kind of computerized, based standardized test, uh, the whole school shuts down, the tension, the nerves were, heck, it was two days for me in elementary school, Tom. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and we're forgetting about one more thing. Yes, yeah, sure. None of this is culturally relevant. This is putting knowledge in an isolated fashion. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was 2012. I was down with uh, Dr. Shiguro from uh, Central, and we were down in Selma, Alabama at the Education Summit. Mm-hmm. And we were doing a presentation on the Common Core. Remember when the Common Core, the yeah. new standards that will save our children, <laughs> and they were going to save black, brown, special. They were going to save everyone. Uh-huh. It was wonderful. Hallelujah. Uh, 48 <laughs> governors assigned on to it. You know, and they were celebrated. So when I went down there, I had brought the whole language arts extemporary common core. Now, let me tell you, that was that's like five telephone books. Mm. And I brought them down there with Dr. Shiguro and we presented on it. And we used uh, uh, David Coleman. David Coleman is really the architect of the common core. Mm-hmm. We used a lesson. He's not a teacher, but he decided he was going to teach a lesson modeling the common core. And his lesson was going to be on Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail. Mm. Now, hey, in 63, I was on my grandfather's shoulders in D.C. I was there. Mm. So you, you have to know that I'm, I'm a student mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. of letter from a Birmingham jail. It is like, you know, the Muhammad Ali knockout punch there in the go. 15th round. It took everyone on. Mm-hmm. But, but so we, were, we showed it. And Selma, the education summit isn't just experts, isn't just PhDs. It's parents, it's students, it's the community, it's principals, it's teachers, but it's a different community. And when I put up David Coleman doing his thing and showing his lesson, and then he, he made the key, key mistake that this community noticed. He said, now you have to disregard everything you know about the civil rights and what we're going to focus on is the management style of Dr. King. Now, let me tell you, at that point, once we watched that and the audience erupted into what the heck is this? How do you, uh, do mm. we, do we mm. forget Selma? Mm. Do we forget those mm. bridge crossings? Do we forget Mississippi burning? Do we forget Rosa Parks on the bus? We forget all that stuff? Mm. What mm. kind of, what kind mm. of standard mm. is this? So mm. what I'm saying is mm. not only is the testing driving a curriculum that is culturally irrelevant, racially insensitive, uh, linguistically insensitive. Uh, it, it ignores the issues of poverty. And, and to me, it gives cover to the wealthy, the powerful, and the connected for never having done the right thing in public education in, in 170 years. I don't want to go back to the good mm, old days. Mm, there were none. Mm, 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 mm. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show, and, and Jesse Walkyman Turner is my guest, and Jesse is the uh, professor of literacy at Central Connecticut State University, and you can see why he has his doctorate in literacy, reading, and culture, and how those those kind of uh, disciplines intersect and also are applied and should be applied in terms of what we call pedagogy and learning and and, and constructing a, an equitable educational system. Jesse, this, this is this is rich. This is this is rich. Uh, what do you want to you want to want to go to um, 
oh, you, you reference how the high stakes testing kind of, uh, it's really code for labeling children um, for failure and not lifting, lifting them up. Do you want to elaborate on that? Sure. First, if we look at the history of standardized testing in America, it comes from the American eugenics movement. Mm-hmm. And what did the American eugenics movement do? They were liberals, progressives, who thought they, America couldn't compete economically in the world, and they were going to save America mm-hmm. by, by somehow sterilizing 70,000 women, uh, by somehow manipulating, lifting up, the brightest of of black communities, brown communities, women, the mentally ill, all this kinds of stuff. They actually were genetics. uh, And, and, and Hitler recognized that Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. his formula. He says he learned, he said, Hey, Mm -hmm. I learned from the American Mm -hmm. eugenics movement, but Mm -hmm. that movement were creating assessments that, that were claimed to be objective, but was solely focused on a knowledge base that is valued by the wealthy, the powerful, and the connected. And get this, Tom, white guys like me. And, and indeed, indeed, and you mentioned, and if folks are listening to the, to the, to the show and really uh, have, are only hearing about the word eugenics or just hearing uh, Jesse's, Jesse Walking Man Turner, his name for the first time, uh, do your own research. Google the eugenics movement. Uh, there's an article I'll post about Yale White Man and God and uh, how some of the eugenic movements, uh, forefathers kind of were professors here at Yale and kind of started the program in a way. Um, so it's important for us, for, for you just not to accept a uh, whole cloth, what we're saying, but I'm, I'm urging you as you hear these words and themes and, and issues that Jesse's articulating to do your own research, kind of, uh, chat with people, um, come to your own conclusions. We're just here to kind of really inspire, not necessarily to provoke, but really to inform and kind of share our, our perspective thus far in these very contentious and chaotic times. Um, but, but your points will take and Some would say, Jesse, that in terms of the eugenics movement now with all the bioengineering and the ability to kind of uh, program and DNA and kind of uh, inject things into the, to the, to the, to the egg and, and sperm kind of thing that the, the white supremacist movement in a way is still continuing about how do you correct, create this, this perfect person that might rule the world. I know I'm being somewhat uh, rhetorical, but there is some, some thought in that regard. We, we definitely, if we look at the curricula of our public schools, we have to realize they're not embracing uh, immigrants. They're not embracing diversity. They're not embracing black and brown uh, culture. They, they are not embracing uh, the poor. What they are doing is selling a curricula that is structured to, it's sort of, if we go back to the history of American Indians, so my PhD took place on the Tohono O'odham Reservation. Mm. It's a native reservation in Arizona. It's the second largest reservation in the, in the nation. Uh, it's one of two that are on their original land. And what do we find out when we study American Indian education? Uh, the focus was to take the Indian out of the Indian. Mm. And I'll mm. tell you, when I'm down in Selma at the Education Summit, every single year we talk about the damage tracking is doing to children of color. But also, uh, we, often the talk talks about how the same concept, we're taking the African out of the African. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. when we look at when we're testing children and they're taking these tests, if I don't see myself on the test, well, then I don't do well because prior knowledge determines, uh, increases your comprehension. And I'll give you a, a researcher, Dr. Rudine Simmons Bishop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Rudine Bishop was a friend of Walter Dean Myers, one of the most mm-hmm. phenomenal uh, mm-hmm. adolescent 
black authors mm-hmm. in the nation. Mm-hmm. Walter's passed away, sadly. But Walter and, and, and Rudine Sims, did a, 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 her research focused on this aspect of comprehension for children of color. And she said that you need to have windows and mirrors. And when you have mirrors in the things that you read, your comprehension mm. improves. Mm. And if you can have windows, then you can walk a mile in the shoes mm. of another. Mm. Now, you see, mm. that's what we should mm. be embracing mm. in our curriculum. Mm. Where are the mirrors? Mm-hmm. Every child should see himself on those testing materials or the curriculum in school. And every child should be able to walk in the footsteps of someone who's poor, someone who has special needs, someone who's brown, someone who's black, someone who's white, mm-hmm, someone who mm-hmm, doesn't mm-hmm. speak English. Even bring Harry in. We can bring Harry in. in. Yes, right. sir. Yes, sir. Ben Brown as well. Uh, you, gave, you give me a clue there, uh, Jesse, in terms of walking. So share with folks in terms of your how the, the walking man kind of uh, uh, label has kind of, a, you've embraced it and embodied it and really brought it to life. Uh, I'm an old civil rights activist and you know, when you, when you believe in, in justice, you have to know that's a battle you don't see a victory mm-hmm. in. You will hope. It's always, it's, it's you know, it's uh, Sam Cooke's, a change is going to come. Mm. Uh, you have this hope, but you do something. Mm. You do it. And so in 2010, I had realized three research studies had come back on No Child Left Behind, the first grade studies uh, and two content area reading studies. Uh, in those three studies, the first grade studies, we had these uh, uh, reading first schools mm-hmm. in the nation, every city, every poor city, every impoverished community in the rural areas, anywhere, had one. Only one, because they only ever give you one. Mm. <laughs> they don't give you everything. Mm-hmm. They give you one, but they, they, they decided that they had five golden Cadillac reading programs that were sure to make every child the reader by the third grade and doing math and writing on grade level. Well, at the end of six years, they, they've discovered something, mm. that the only group that showed any growth in the first grade, in the second grade, in the third grade was the control group. And what is the control group? That's the group that doesn't get any of, the, any of your programs. Mm. They were the ones that just did what was before. We actually had a decline in, in, in reading uh, comprehension in the reading first schools. That's mm. why we don't have any more. Mm. So mm. that's one study. I knew that under George Bush, that was the focus of mm-hmm. his program. Mm-hmm. It, it would be like saying, I'm going to test a medicine and everyone died. <laughs> Do you know? It, it's outrageous. So I knew then. And then Duncan came in and he decided. Arnie Duncan, Arnie Duncan. Mm-hmm. And Arnie Duncan is a product of No Child Left Behind. He could not be the superintendent of the Chicago Public Schools because he did not carry the background or the, or the certification to do it. But Mayor Daly. <laughs> decided that, well, we're going to change that title to the uh, chief financial officer, and then we'll put Arnie mm. Duncan in charge. But Duncan is, has a history in this stuff, so he proposed a reading across the content areas for fifth grade. Guess what? At the end of that study, it showed the control group was the only group that had growth. So all of his programs mm. that he meant that he said were go Cadillac programs, they showed declines. Mm. Then he did it in the sixth grade because, you know, these people – you know, they don't understand. One strike, two strikes, three strikes, you're out. And in the, in the sixth grade, he did it again, and the same results came back. The very things that they had told schools they needed to do, this is the United mm. States Department mm. of Education, failed to show any growth in comprehension and the control, control group. So I had to walk, Tom, 
because I was at the State Department not, over here. I was not, writing. Not, I was not, calling. Not, not so quick. This is not walking around the block. This is walking from from uh, from Connecticut. I, I, the first walk in 2010, I went from uh, uh, Central Connecticut State University because it's the sixth normal school in the nation. It's mm-hmm. the first school uh, teachers college in Connecticut. I walked from there to D.C. Now this walk. Was a listener. We're not talking about Dixwell. We're talking about District of Columbia. District of Columbia, 400 miles, 40 days, 10 miles a day, every day. And every day on that walk through Facebook and social media, I was, I was asking to meet parents, to meet students, to meet teachers. And I did meet them. Mm. And they mm. told me, parents told me, what's happened? This testing in our schools is demoralizing and destroying my child's love of mm. reading, my child's love of school. Uh, I heard the same from teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard the same from bilingual teachers, uh, reading teachers. My reading and bilingual teacher said, we're not even teaching the kids anymore. At the beginning of the year, all we're doing is testing them. Mm. And so, and I did it again in 2015 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, you see, I had hope that NCOB expired. No child left behind. Yeah, no mm-hmm. child left behind expired. By the way, we spent $1.1 trillion on that, mm. and we got absolutely nothing mm. for it. So when we looked at it, when every student succeeds act and even even the teachers unions were happy about it, dancing uh, and they were celebrating this act because it said we're going to put the governors in charge, not the federal Mm. government. Now, if people remember, I said I'm a civil rights activist. The last thing you do is put the governors in charge. Mm. And so I walked again in 2015. I I was the keynote speaker at the badass teachers conference in D.C. Again. I walked and I talked to parents. I talked to one parent, Cindy Rose, whose son, Ben, has cerebral palsy, is missing half of his brain, cannot speak, has really almost no communicative skills. And his mother asked me, I was down in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. and she lived in Fredericksburg, which is a rural area Mm -hmm. in in Maryland. And it was a little off the track, but she said, walking man, could you come see me? Could Mm -hmm. you come meet my son, Ben? He's 10 years old. You've got to meet him. Mm. And I said, all right, I'll come meet you. And I, I went to the Fredericksburg Library, met her there, and I met this young man, and she showed me he can't read anything, he can't understand anything, he can't write anything. I love him. He's beautiful. Mm. Uh, he had things in his IEP that said how to try to help to feed himself, to remember when he's supposed to eat, let people know when, he's, when it's time to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And why she asked me to come mm. is because that school, she had signed an opt-out letter, do not test my son uh, with, these, with these assessments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what Fredericksburg did was they said her letter wasn't detailed enough. And so they put paint on his hands and they used X's and O's and asked him questions that he could not respond to and somehow touched these things to his hand. And his mm. mother was ballistic. She's not the only one. Mm-hmm, Andrea mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. pratt Rudisinski. Uh, from Florida. Mm-hmm. Her son was dying in hospice care, and the Florida Commissioner of Education demanded that he be tested and demanded that his homebound teacher mm. test him. This stuff is crazy. Mm. And his parents, mm. the tears, mm. the doctors fighting the state to say, no, this young man is dying, and, 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 and her son mm. is dead mm. now. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show, and Jesse Walking Man Turner is with us. Jesse, chat about the, so 
for the fight. How, if folks want to kind of get involved, because I'm absolutely certain anyone that's listened thus far can understand your your passion and and your and your, your fervor for for truth and justice, and they may even be may even be tempted to join you. Should they? How should they reach out to you and contact you if they want to kind of lend their support financially, personally, uh, resources, etc. Okay, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Children of More Than Tescos. That's the group I started for the first walk. Uh, it's an open group. I always say uh, all I do is keep the lights on mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you can post, you can share information, and you can learn a lot about what I'm doing and what mm-hmm. other people are doing. It's important to know that this is not only happening in your local community. Yes. This is happening across the nation. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. also follow my blog, Children Are More Than Tescos, all together. And I blog on these issues every day. I, I wrote a blog for today, mm. the Fight for Six blog, because mm. this is the campaign that I've decided that I should launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm an old little Bible kid, so, you know, a little <laughs> tune, give me some of that old-time religion. So mm-hmm. I'm like, give me some of that old six days of testing. Mm-hmm. Give me that mm-hmm. old stuff, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we have to understand why 540 days versus six days. Mm-hmm. Now, Diane mm-hmm. Ravish gave us that answer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Ravitch said there's only one reason for using standardized tests in our public schools, and that's because people are making money. Mm-hmm. And we have mm-hmm. to understand mm-hmm. that our publishing companies, what they're doing, there's over 600 million standardized tests given annually. Mm-hmm. This is a massive amount of money. Mm-hmm. And so what we have is campaign contributions going into both political parties. You've got Democrats for education reform leading the way on testing, leading mm-hmm. the way on on choice schools you know we haven't even gotten to that one mm-hmm. but this is about money mm-hmm. 540 days three years of paying testing companies for information that i have not met one teacher that can tell me how they can use that information <laughs> you, you know this this I, I'm, I mean i'm not la- i'm i'm not really laughing this is a such a ser- serious and sober discussion, but also so informative and I would dare say inspirational. Uh, you had mentioned, Jesse, also about the, uh, really the, the infrastructure, and you alluded to it in terms of the business, but you mentioned that change can't come via a system supported by, by, by property taxes. What, no, what's what's okay. that all about? We're the only nation uh, in the industrialized nations that uses property taxes to support our public schools. And I say that was set up with maybe we might say it's the white supremacy, maybe we want to say it's the wealth supremacy, but it was definitely created so that the wealthy would always have better schools than mm. the poor, than, than our immigrants, than our black and brown uh, would always have. And also it was used so that we wouldn't have to spend what's needed to spend to meet the legal obligations of idea for our special education mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake about it, Connecticut is in the midst of the CJF case indeed, right now, indeed, share, share over here, we're one of, one of 13 states who are being sued because we have not met our equity uh, obligations. So CJF is a case on that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm disappointed in the, the last ruling because we had a superior court judge who turned around and, and, and started talking about adequate. Mm. You see, how come adequate is okay for black, brown, poor, and special education children? How come adequate is not okay for our most wealthy and our most powerful? So mm. this is the stuff. You've got 13 states in these suits. You've got 49 out of 50 states spend more money on their wealthy schools than their poor schools. That's the Education Week 2015 Quality Counts Report. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not making this stuff mm-hmm. up. Indeed, indeed. So, you know, this is what the data says. And meanwhile, I've got my political leaders sort of like with smoke and mirrors. You know, like when, when you looked at when Muhammad Ali used to fight, he used to do this wind up and twist <laughs> his arm. And, and, you know, everybody would look at that arm and then, boom, he smack you with a right <laughs> jab to the face and take you out. Uh, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're smoke and mirrors. <laughs> you know, we got new standards. They need new standards. They need new tests. Well, you know. This is like Marie Antoinette. This is the stuff like let them eat test. You know, <laughs> this is the thing. A poverty in this nation is not an, an excuse. Mm-hmm. But poverty is something that is real. Mm. And if you want to help our public schools, you have to help our impoverished communities. You know, and they're just not doing it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm um, in my 60s now. <laughs> but I almost feel like poverty being poor is, is is almost being associated with being a choice. Mm. It's almost mm. as if mm. it is a mm. label and you are guilty and you mm. have committed a mm. crime. Mm. Now that means yeah, the, something to it, me. Indeed, the, the victimization thing cer- certainly kicks in. Uh, talk a little, a little bit, Jess, if you would, because you're involved. Uh, I, I hope people can understand that he's you, you're involved with a personal energy, with a collective energy, with a structural kind of energy, with an organizational energy, and then also... Turn to some standard organizations, the American University professors, you're, you're involved with them. Sure. Uh, I'm the secretary of the Central Connecticut State University AAUP chapter. And usually with my union stuff, I'm supportive and I, I step back because I'm involved in so many other activist things. But this year, I'm like, no, 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 you step up. I can't ask people to walk. I can't ask people to stand on the line. If I don't do it. Mm-hmm. So I've decided that I, I need I need to stand up with my brothers and sisters who are being abused at universities, our full-time faculty members, our adjuncts. Let me give you a conversation why I did this. I had to run for the union office mm-hmm. because we had a conversation at my home with some very good fa- friends and faculty members who I love. And, and somehow it came up and said, we're dinosaurs. Mm. That we're going to have, we're, we'll have tenure that they won't have. We're going to have pensions they won't have. We're going to have benefits they mm-hmm. won't have. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow it was just there, and I said, screw that. I'm not going to be, stand here and say that I've got mine, and now forget about you. So I, I decided that I need to be more a union activist, mm-hmm. and I'm, mm-hmm. I ran on the stuff that, heck, <laughs> the future for faculty needs to be one better. As a matter of fact, if we, we're not even looking at, we've got a board of regents that has not only raised tuition this year, but they've already announced they're raising it into 2020. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. talking about a consolidation mm-hmm. and a consolidation that would, uh, that would uh, somehow put everything in a central office over there and we lose our individual local identities for it. But how could you say you, because they call it, uh, uh, Jerkian's piece is uh, students first. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you put students first when every year you have raised their tuition? Indeed. The state of Connecticut went from 53% support for tuition in 2002 to 30% now. Mm. And trust me, mm. our political leaders want to take that down. And every time the state decreases its support for universities, public universities in the state, that means your child, your nephews, your nieces, your grandchildren 
will pay more to attend our public universities. Indeed, indeed. And you re- and thanks for sharing. And you referenced also, Jesse, that there's an event taking place this month, May, in terms of your union and, and American University Professional sure. Association. This Wednesday at the Capitol mm-hmm. Building, uh, the Connecticut Education Association uh, and the American Federation of Teachers and uh, Central Connecticut's AAUP are going to Harford, mm. going to the Capitol building mm-hmm. at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Come join us, mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Stand up. And we're mm-hmm. saying, we keep your promises. Connecticut has a pension fund. They're 50th in the nation. Mm. And there's a crisis about to emerge because they have not made their contributions. But that's not the only thing. We're going to, we're going to the Capitol because these people have made promises to provide the best possible public schools and public education system our state can have. They all run around saying, hey, I'm the education candidate. I love our <laughs> public schools. I love our universities. And every time they come around, it's like, you know, there's an old OJ song, Beware of the Handshake, mm-hmm. that sometimes hides the knife that's going to stick you in the back. Our legislators have constantly been allowing this governor, previous governors, to decline, uh, not decline, but to reduce our responsibility to public education, not only at the university, not only at K to twelve, early childhood. Mm. This is mm. this this mm. is the disaster. Mm. Mm. And I hope, folks, that you're, you're following. We're covering so many really inter interconnected and also connected uh, issues in terms of it. As Jesse's just just mentioned, Jesse Walking Man Turner from from pre K and from from prenatal from that standpoint and and into and death life. Life is about learning, and, and even the experience of living should be one about continual educational input. And so I'm really so pleased that he's kind of connected. And again, you listen to the Tom Ficklin Show, and Jesse Walking Man Turner is with us. And Jesse is professor of liter- literacy at Central Connecticut State University and um, with a doctorate in language, reading, and culture. So again, you can see whether you're in class, out of class, if you're on the planet, if you're in Connecticut, if you're a taxpayer, if you're a citizen of the earth, there's a lot for you to kind of tune into and in and listen to, and Jesse's dropped some language on us and some topics that really are, are worth, worth researching and in, 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 in your own mind, just kind of understanding what's going on in terms of this, uh, this, some people are using the term dystopia, Jesse, to kind of explain what's the, but we were, we were just talking also about being optimistic. So talk about optimism for a second. All right. The optimism comes from people are waking up. Mm. Uh, we've had school choice policies. We haven't really talked about them much today, but what is school choice without equity? Mm-hmm. We can talk now, about school choice yeah, for I'm sure. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you an example. Okay. In 2011, we're in Selma, and we put charter schools on trial. Mm-hmm. We put them on trial because Ben Jealous and the NAACP had passed a resolution saying that charter schools were not the answer to desegregation. Mm-hmm. Now, people only think about the moratorium that passed this summer, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're missing the point that the NAACP had been aware of this for a number mm-hmm, of years. Mm-hmm. But so we put them on trial, and it was interesting. We always do a mock trial in Selma. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We have real judges. We have real civil rights mm-hmm. attorneys. Mm-hmm. And people play roles. I play roles. Everyone plays a role. <laughs> and, and the audience and, and the courthouse is packed mm-hmm. in, in, in Selma. Uh, it's, it's like people are in the rafters. Mm-hmm. And, and so you present your case. And I remember that uh, 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 State Senator Sanders, mm-hmm. who is an outstanding state senator, a uh, uh, black Democratic state senator, but, but his, uh, an outstanding civil rights man. And, and he made this point. He said, 
Now, let me get understand this piece, this choice that you're offering us. You're telling me that you can save 20% of our children in the ocean? Now I need to know. We have 100% of our children drowning. Mm. How the heck did you build a Titanic ship that only had enough for 20%? Mm -hmm. If you can't save them all, then you're not the person to come save us. Mm -hmm. And so this is the idea with school choice right now. You see, it's more eugenics. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, well, we want to put, you know, we're going to take certain people Mm -hmm. and put them in special schools and give them a little more and give them some more bells and whistles and and exempt them from the rules. Mm. Could you imagine that? And, and 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 then what we're going to do is we're going to save them. And you know what? <laughs> we already have school choices put our schools in a segregation mode that we have not seen since Brown versus the mm. Board of, mm. of Topeka. Mm. It mm. is an outrage mm. and a shame that I'm not. And, and some charter schools are, are good. But, you know, we got to ask those heads of those charter schools, how much money do you make? Who is your board? <laughs> and who do you who who do you answer to? So the same, even magnet schools. My Mm -hmm. wife works at a Hartford magnet school. Mm -hmm. You know, even magnet schools. If the idea is that I'm going to give some extra help, then I need to ask myself a moral question. Mm. And that moral question has to be, how come I won't help all our children? Mm. Mm. So school choice right now, to me, is an immoral question. Mm. Because if you're not going to help all our schools, then, then... then you're an immoral mm-hmm, person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so is mm-hmm. your policy. Again, you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show, and Jesse Walking Man Turner's with us. Jesse, as we kind of wind down a little bit, for folks that might just be tuning in, how can they reach out to you again, know, learn more about you, hear more about you, to debate more with you? Uh, you're, you're, to say you're a transparent is, is an understatement. You're transparent as well as authentic. So how can folks kind of reach out, reach out and touch and kind of engage in civil discourse with you? Sure. One, you could find me on Facebook, and I'm one of those people on Facebook because when I did this, when I, I started the, the first walk, I decided that I don't take any money for speaking. I'm a state employee. Mm-hmm. So whatever I do, I do for free over there. But you can find me on Facebook, Jesse Turner. You can find uh, our Children Are More Than Test Scores group on Facebook. Both of them are public. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I just don't allow any profanity, any mm-hmm. pornography. Uh, I'll debate you. I'll discuss you on those those places. No problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a debate. I think it's a discussion. Mm-hmm. It's intellectual discourse. It's mm-hmm. what makes us good. And you could follow my blog. My blog addresses a number is number of issues, not only about public schools, but about race, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, about prejudice, about bigotry, about what's happening mm-hmm. in Washington D.C. right mm-hmm. now. Let's conclude as we wind down. Um, on what's going on in, in Washington. I know for myself, I have to still, in spite of November and in spite of January 20th, every morning, I'm, this is a full disclosure, Jesse, I still got to wake up and remind myself that someone is, is, in, is in the White House that I still can. So the, the cognitive dissonance, just the belief, it's still, I still have not, I'm still battling within myself, understanding this reality. I watch TV follow, but, but sure, but everyone has to kind of reach their own position about what, what uh, the, the D.C. phenomenon means, if it means anything to them. But what, what's your take, feeling, suggestion, comment in this regard of what's going on in America? Well, we've had a, a shift in our politics, and I think maybe the Sanders campaign alluded to it a little. Uh, money is free speech, and corporations are people. Mm-hmm. There is no, none of our Supreme Court justices on our early courts would have ever mm. allowed that. Mm. How can a corporation be a person? Can they vote? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
how could money be free speech? Over there, what that means is I can buy anything. And we have had a massive privatization of everything from our hospitals to our public schools to our parks. I mean, and Donald Trump, he's like, he's a businessman. So it's all for sale, brother, mm. every bit of it. Mm. And we to look at his education policies, all we need to do is look at what he did last week. Mm. The D.C. vouchers, mm. uh, over $40 million goes to D.C. vouchers. Mm. Trump was over there, beautiful children. You can't fault parents or children for taking advantage of things. But you must look at the data. Mm. And on those schools in the D.C., children that, that use vouchers to attend uh, special schools, the data's in. Mm. Their literacy and math scores declined. Mm. They had lower scores than the schools they left behind. Mm. And what did Trump do? He said, hey, this is great. You know, I've got another $43 million to give for more vouchers. Mm. You see, Tom, if this was some program for uh, a local program that was doing the best it could, doing little good deeds, that doesn't matter. What this is about is making money and using our public tax dollars for money. So Trump is crazy, I'll acknowledge that, but he's crazy like a fox. Mm -hmm. And realize that both political parties, we need a revolution to take back this, mm -hmm. this, this tax-paying system. Companies are not people. Money is not free speech. Uh, you don't own our public schools. You don't own our hospitals. You don't own our libraries. You don't own anything. Mm. Uh, actually, you benefit from that. Mm. That's the investment in the country. Mm. 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 So you'd consider yourself to be a patriot in this, in this regard. Very patriotic. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Uh, yes, yeah. I would, I th this, is, this is the new front. Mm -hmm. The new front. Young people are different. Uh, we saw that in the French election yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, they elected somebody who doesn't really have a party affiliation. Mm. They elected somebody nobody knew, but they elected him because he believed in the things they believed mm. in. Mm. So I see the optimism is this man's not going to be around next time, probably headed to the biggest loss of any presidential candidate ever. And, and if I were the GOP candidates with this health care bill, I'd be running for cover right mm, now mm, because this mm. is going to be the single biggest loss of GOP seats in uh, election history mm, mm, in just mm, 18 months' time. Mm. Jesse, I want, I want to, uh, uh, let, let's, let's wind down a little bit. I want to give you a chance to shift, not really a shift, but really in terms of the investment you've made in terms of your personal life, your, your, your personal uh, pocketbook, uh, your personal energy, the wear and tear on your body. What do you say to as we're in May and students are graduating from, could be from middle school, from high school, from, from college, and then for folks that are entering uh, universities even in September, what, what's kind of your, your commencement? Again, let's keep in mind that commencement is really a new beginning or a beginning. What do you say to some, some folks that are just uh, you know, 16, 17, 18, 21, going, going into their graduate school in September? What do you say to them now as they kind of look out and enter and turn, turn into, the, into their world? Uh, I say to my teachers, where's the humanity? Mm. And I said, the humanity begins with you. Mm. I say, advocacy begins with a pat on the back on a student, someone who needs a little help doing some work, a parent who comes to the door, a welcome. Uh, uh, this is advocacy. I'm asking them, where's your advocacy? Mm. I'm an old, I'm an old little Bible kid, <laughs> you know, and that passage where it says, I'm not, I am not my brother's keeper. People don't follow that passage. Mm. What, what, what the passage is about is you are your brother's keeper. Mm. You are your sister's keeper. So my commencement speech is, we are each other's keepers. Mm. There mm. is a public good, and you must fight for it, even if it's just 
a good morning mm-hmm. to someone. Mm-hmm. That's advocacy. Mm-hmm. Every professional standard for an educator uh, or a health professional, they have standards and 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 those standards demand that they advocate for children, to mm-hmm. advocate for patients, to advocate for the sick, the elderly, mm-hmm. the poor. This is our role, and I'm asking America, where's your humanity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and to to the 16 year old or the the, the, the high, high school graduate next month from June that's graduating from Hill House High School or New Britain High School, what do you say to them? I tell them, you know, public enemy used to have a little line, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. The, uh, the future is going to be beautiful. The mm. future is going to be people coming together like we like the young people in France that you're going to elect new presidents, mm-hmm. new congressmen, mm-hmm. new governors. Mm-hmm. You're going to elect people without racial bias, mm-hmm. without gender mm-hmm. mix-ups. Mm-hmm. You're going to elect people who understand that we are in this together and the public good matters and that government should be for the public mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and we should all stand for the public good. Mm-hmm. That's what I say to them. Don't mm-hmm. believe the hype. The world is yours. It's your oyster. Open it up just for you. Mm-hmm. And I love those people. Mm-hmm. We, we've opened opened it up this morning, Jesse. Thanks to you, and thanks to Harry and WNHH and Paul Paul Bass, kind of the progenitor of of the of New Haven Independent and the radio station. And we're really pleased to have you kind of bless us. And again, folks can find you how you can find me on on Facebook. Uh, if you want to find me on the web, all you have to do is Google. <laughs> Dr. Jesse Turner. Mm-hmm. Google Jesse the Walking Man Turner. Mm-hmm. You're going to find me. I'm a public person. Amen. But that's what it, you can follow me on the web on Children Are More Than Test Scores all together. And you'll follow my blog and you'll hear my commentations on, on, on my life, on the things that go around us. And by the way, I'm a member of Moral Mondays. I'm a member of Black Lives Matter. I'm a member of all the things that matter because I am my brother's keeper and he is mine and we are our sister's keepers and they are ours. And by the way, I was at that march in D.C., the Women's March. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a beautiful moment. Mm. Amen. Let's keep it. So more beautiful moments await and more, more beautiful moments we can participate in. Jesse, again, a, a deep, deep thank you to you for, for joining us. And Harry, thanks a lot. Talk to you next time. When you fall